Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. Hello and welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR 855 AM on your dial app or on the online stream. My name is Flick Manny and I'm your host for today. Brainwaves is a mental health focused show with a lived experience lens and today I'm pleased to have Michelle Irving joining me again on the show. Michelle has over 15 years experience in mentoring and executive coaching for people navigating their career while living with chronic illness. Her work comes out of her own lived experience navigating chronic illness and a demanding career and is backed by her professional training. Her programs include extensive specialised content for authentic conversations about your experience and needs, developing excellent professional boundaries, managing your emotional, mental and physical capacities, as well as progressing in your career of choice. Michelle's career is underpinned by extensive training in somatic therapy, cancer survivorship and women's leadership. Michelle, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me back, Flick. It's a lovely to be here. So excited to have you here again. So let's just jump right in, shall we? So anyone living with a chronic illness or anyone who knows someone living with a chronic illness will probably be quite aware that the journey day-to-day can come with a tidal wave of emotional and mental health implications and scenarios. But the wave around working with a chronic illness in particular can be quite epic to say the least. Now, you've actually devised a map for this journey, which I think is really fascinating. Can you give us an overview of that map? Sure. So what I've worked out is there are basically five stages of navigating your career with chronic illness. You may not do all of them, but you will definitely identify with some of them. And I'm going to start with one of the most obvious ones for all of us at some point in time is that if we have a very serious flare or diagnosis, sometimes we actually end up off-ramping from our career for medical leave or burnout, or we end up resigning without really having a way forward from there. And then we might be in a period where we just attend to our health. And I say just very lightly because that's a full-time job. There comes a point where you will on-ramp back into work. And in that process, you're really working out what's the job. You might be going for interviews. You might be going back to a role you previously had, you might be going back to a role that's new but in the same old company. And so that's really the second stage, which is on-ramping back to work. Then while you're working, there's about three key stages. And the first one I call the new. When you come in off, off, off when you come in from on-ramping on, you go into the new. Firstly, it's a new daily routine, particularly if you've been off for a while. It's also new people, it's new working arrangements, and there's a new sense of identity. You're trying to work out who you are now. So that newness is really important. 
It's also the case that you will go into the new if you change jobs and if you go for promotion. So the new is a very important place to understand how to navigate the new with chronic illness while being in your career. The other stage or the next stage I like to call test and redesign. Most of us will spend at least 80% of our time in career in this phase. And that's really where you're in the role and you're trying to work out what are the right working arrangements, what's the right flexibility, you're navigating potentially side effects, you might be navigating a really great time in your health, and you can also be navigating a time where there's a flare where you might be taking sick leave and coming back, more for a shorter period of time. So test and redesign is where you need to know what conversations to have, with who, how to disclose, what to renegotiate, and really how to set your own career path. The final stage is what I call authentic leadership. And everybody navigating career and chronic illness will naturally, through the experience, end up in their own authentic leadership. Now, this is because you've had to work with your depth, you've had to work with your grit, your vulnerability, and there's a whole lot of skills you get along the way. And one of them is about authenticity. The second one's about how to lead yourself. But of course, new diagnosis, flare, or incredibly treatment that works and makes you super, super well and have a lot of capacity, the map's not linear. You'll move between stages. The fact that it isn't linear, I think that's one of the very interesting things about chronic illness in particular compared to maybe your more the more able body experience of illness where it begins, it has its peak and then it has a finite end. Uh, the, the reality for chronic illness, it goes round and round in circles, up and down in waves. So it's really good that you've brought that up. But interestingly, with each of those stages, there are definitely mental health realities that one must confront and face with each of those. So can you explain to us perhaps then what some of those mental health realities at each of those stages of the journey? So what I would like to do is in the off-ramping stage, you're looking at a stripping down of what your sense of identity in your world is. And the mental health experience of that is really that things are falling away and there can be a lot of anxiety. In terms of the mental um, processes and what you're working with in terms of on-ramping is you will have the normal anxiety that everybody has looking for a job or looking to go back to work but it will be laid with this fear of your capacity. It will be laid with whether you're going to get accommodations, what the understanding is, and how to disclose or what to disclose. And so what you want to do at that stage is understand you're just on ramping. You're not solving the world's problems about chronic illness. You're not going straight into the hugest presentation of your life on stage with 3,000 people. That's not what's happening. You want to take this for the stage it is, and you want to understand that anybody going through this process would have this level of anxiety. And then you want to get support around that stage. When you move into the new, what we forget is, particularly if you've been doing your career for a while, you're used to being the expert at something. And so you forget how to navigate the new. And mentally, you're like, I should know how to do this. This should be easy. I don't know why I feel so anxious. You're in the new. That's why. When you're in the new, 
the very nature of it is that you're learning to do new things. You're learning to take your body through the experience of working while potentially still navigating fatigue. You're learning what I'm good at in the morning, what I'm good at in the evening. And so mentally here, what you want to understand is you want to orientate towards yourself as learning something new, even if the job itself is something you've done for a long time. Now, test and redesign is where we spend most of our time and a lot of our mental energy. And in this phase, we can get caught up in the anxiety of maybe having a relapse. We can get caught up in feeling like we should have it all together. And we can get caught up in feeling like we should know how to do this. Test and redesign when you are in a scientific context or even in an entrepreneur start context, what you do is you test and redesign, test and redesign until you get the optimal process. And so you want to understand mentally, this isn't about getting to a place. This is about having a system of mental support processes to help you go through test and redesign. And when you know how to do that, you'll have stability because you'll know like mentally, when I'm in a flare, my anxiety is going to rocket. That's just what I know. So when I'm doing that at work, it's like, what can I do to support myself mentally here while I'm in a flare? And the same, when I'm having a great day, I know that my optimism is going to really kick in. So how can I use my space and that way most efficiently? And then design your day and your work processes. The more you know about yourself, design it to what is your optimal mental capacity in each of those stages. And authentic leadership, we could spend a lot of time talking about this. This is a huge mental adjustment into your authenticity. But all you need to know about that is that authentic leadership is where you start to integrate and you start to make choices for the career that you really want for meaningful work. And your mental health will actually uptick in this first phase of authentic leadership, even though you'll be right back in the new again because you'll be learning how to do it. That's so, so true. And I think what you said really resonates as well, that we we tend to have this idea when we're coming back in to the workplace or we're starting that phase of new, oh, I should have it all together. I should know. I've done this before. I should know how to do everything. And I've got to be ready to do all these pieces. And there are a lot of pieces, moving pieces to the puzzle. And I think sometimes it's a case of taking the pressure off, recognising where you are actually in that map, in that journey, and then just taking a breath and recognising you're human. All of yes. this builds self-awareness. All of this is really great. But you, like anybody else, even able-bodied people, you can't do everything and be everything all at once. It's all stages. Thank you so much for explaining yes. that, Michelle. That's a really beautiful way of putting it. Michelle, we were just starting to kind of touch on this a little bit before we went to the break. You mentioned disclosing your chronic illness to an employer. I know this one actually comes up a lot for people in our community. So what have you learned about navigating that process? And in particular, what mental health implications or mindset implications can be happening as people are going through that navigation? So one of the things you want to understand is that you are living with a medical condition. And usually what happens is in our identity, we feel really apologetic about our capacity. But this is biology. This is a medical condition. This isn't actually personal. As hard as it is to say, 
actually illness doesn't discriminate between good people and other people. It just is what it is. What we know from the recent uh, University of Melbourne research around leadership and chronic illness is that even leaders living with chronic illness, 54% of them may partially disclose. 18% may never disclose. And then you've got various sort of levels of full disclosure. What we're talking about here is let's get real. What is disclosure? Disclosure is the part of you that's going to share what is relevant for the context of the outcome for the job. So often what you're working with with a manager or colleagues is you don't have to tell them anything or everything. This is up to you. What you can do and what I find helpful in this is to say you're working with a medical condition and you're following medical advice. And this is what the capacity is. Now, often you will say what you can't do. Let's just wipe that clean and let's always say what your capacity is that you can do. Once you start to operate from what you can do, you are setting a boundary in the conversation and you're actually leading it. And this links into your authentic leadership. Because when you get immersed in the apology and what you can't do and that sort of overwhelm, everybody else's emotional and mental energy is going into that space with you. Whereas when you stand in your autonomy and your confidence of this is what I can do, and that might contract and expand on any given day, even any given week, but when you hold that, then you're with yourself and you're clearly communicating. And so that's one of the first things in this very quick conversation that I would share, Flick. I love that. That's so true. Um, it's just that sort of reframing. And I know that it sounds obviously very simple when you reframe it. There's obviously stages that you go through to bring yourself to having that level of self-awareness. But one of the, the things that very often comes up, and I love the way that you phrase this, is very often when somebody is chronically ill, particularly that maybe it's a new diagnosis or it's a new phase of their condition that they're confronting for the first time, that people can feel lost at sea. So how does somebody go from feeling lost at sea to feeling confident in those leadership abilities and capabilities as an employee, whilst also maintaining their authenticity and emotional integrity in the workplace? The fantastic question, Flick, and it's a big question. So let me give you just a couple of points. When you are feeling lost at sea, one of the things that I would always direct your attention to is that you have navigated the unknown before. You actually do know how to navigate the unknown. You know that when you feel in the unknown, you don't know what's happening, but most things you figure out. And the things you figure out are the important things, and you also do a sifting and sorting about what's important and what's not. So just when you feel that lost at sea, just know that you've actually done this before and you're in a sifting and sorting phase. The other thing about this is the emotional integrity. The first thing I want to say is that your emotional confidence starts with you and this is about you learning to be confident with your own emotional processing and your own mental capacity. So this is not a fake it till you make it. You can be in your integrity first with yourself. And what I would do is always redirect you into yourself and what you choose to share 
in your emotional integrity. Now, it's not for the other people's benefit at this stage. It's actually just for you. So some of us are introverts and we like like to keep everything, you know, quiet internally till we've processed it. Other people might be extroverts and verbal processors. And so if you feel that that's your own sort of dynamic, find somebody who's a good ally in this or even somebody who might have been through this themselves and have some tips for you. You do not have to do it alone. And in this process, which we'll talk about, we're actually creating a whole lot of resources for people to come and find and access so you can hear the stories about how people have done this. And then trust yourself. Authentic leadership is about your capacity to trust yourself. Chronic illness means that you might not have that front and centre, but actually navigating chronic illness, you will learn to trust yourself more deeply than ever before. That I actually find to be one of the most strange and yet beautiful benefits that comes from a chronic illness is that ability to learn those things. We're sort of thrown into the fire and sort of, uh, you know, like the phoenix rising from the ashes, we emerge from that as this fully rounded, incredibly powerful being, uh, which is something that I don't think gets talked about an awful lot. We sort of have that story more of the suffering and things like that that tends to be front and centre when people think of chronic illness, but there is a lot that is included in that learning that will fortify your resilience, your integrity and your authenticity And that's a perfect example. Being in the workplace can be a conduit, actually, to the learning and the growing in that journey. Now, staying on workplaces again just for a minute here, many workplaces still lack the education and skills to properly support a person with chronic illness at this stage. Uh, Even, you know, the term disability, there's still a lack of inclusion, there's still a lack of understanding how to be accessible, or it's sometimes a desire to truly be accessible. This can then add extra weight to the mental health of a person that is living with a chronic illness or a disability. So how can a person who is chronically ill be supported if they are having to build that support themselves? What does that look like in a workplace from your perspective? It's a fantastic question again, Flick. What you're looking for, firstly, is that this is your mental, emotional and physical well-being, and for some of us, even our spiritual well-being, the connection into our own heart that is guiding us forward in our life. So the first thing you want to do is be connected and do almost an audit. What helps my mental well-being? Just in yourself, not asking anybody else to do anything. What helps me emotionally? What I used to do when I was um, in an office in this process is I knew that what helped my capacity, particularly in the sort of pressure cooker that workplaces can be, and let's be honest, there's a lot of chit-chat going on that is sensory overload as well. So the two things I would do for my own well-being, firstly, I'm a meditator, so I would actually go book a training room under the radar and I would go and meditate. And I found a buddy and we would go meditate for 30 minutes to an hour in the training room quietly, have our lunch, and I would come back incredibly restored from that and it would give me enough energy to keep going for the afternoon. The other thing I would do is that I would go take a walk. um, The office was quite near some gardens, but I would go look for some green space 
and I would actually lie down on the earth if I could. And that reboots the connection between me in a body and it gives me literally a place of grounding. So different conditions, each of these will work differently for you. Find what supports you mentally, emotionally, physically, and potentially even spiritually, which might be a buddy. And then when those are grounded and in place, start to notice where you shrink because you feel overwhelmed at the office or where you feel a bit more explosive and really agitated. And when that happens, know that you are outside of yourself and you're over in what everybody else is doing and have a practice to come back to yourself and say, actually, I'm off balance and then work out how to rebalance yourself. We could talk for ages about all the things you could do in this flick, but this is actually why the final and fifth stage on one level of career and chronic illness is authentic leadership because it's your capacity to authentically find what works for you, lead yourself through it, that ends up making you a fantastic leader even if you never have the title. I always ended up being the leader at the office because emotionally I was leading the process into connection. And that is interesting because it's not a unique scenario. The number of people that I've spoken to with chronic illnesses and disabilities that find themselves very often seemingly thrust into positions of leadership, even if they don't have the title or being sort of the organisers, the person that's very attention to detail, all these kinds of things tend to fall into the laps of people like us because we become so finely tuned and so able to move through and dictate um, by what actually drives and fuels us. And I resonate with that so much, the grounding, the meditating, the book, booking the cheeky room, getting some quiet, low sensory space. These are all sort of little skills that we are learning by being thrown into the fire. And they ultimately can help us to not just become, you know, the best version of ourselves and the, the healthiest version that we can be within the realm of our chronic illness, but also position us as people that are natural leaders. And it's amazing how many of these things end up rubbing off on other people around us. Now, Michelle, you actually created a summit. Can you take us through what that event is and what you hope people will gain from joining in on what you've created? Yes, Flick, I'm really excited to share with you and everyone that I've created the Career and Chronic Illness Global Summit. And this is where I've interviewed a whole range of leaders across Australia and the US about their experience of navigating their career while also living with chronic conditions and disability. And we go deep. We talk about disclosure. We talk about what happens when you're unwell at work. We talk about how do you actually progress? What conversations do you have? How do you have promotions? How do you keep your confidence up? And all the data and research that is currently out there now about navigating your career while living with chronic illness. We haven't had these conversations ever before, and we certainly haven't got to this level of detail. And so the summit's really your opportunity to come and hear interviews just like this conversation, where somebody actually walks you through their career leadership path, what they do, how they navigate it, what they off-ramped, when they on-ramped, and how they've ended up in authentic leadership. And I'm super excited to share it with you all. 
We also have in that an amazing opportunity where we're running two live workshops. In live time, you can pop in for these free workshops. You'll just need to register. We're running one about LinkedIn bios where we'll talk about what do you do where you've had medical leave or gaps in your resume and also how to brand yourself as you now come out in LinkedIn. Plus, we're running a workshop around advocating for yourself at work and how do you advocate and some of the more legal aspects of that as well so that you know what to do, when to do it and how to do it. So the whole summit starts the 12th of September. It runs to the 15th of September and you'll be able to find the website at careerandchronicillness.com slash summit. Beautiful. I am so genuinely excited for this because, like you said, it hasn't been done before and there are so many people, as you said, in our population that are looking for this exact information and currently thinking that they're alone in it and not really knowing who to talk to. And that just adds to the mental health journey that we're already going through. So by having that information in place, it really can dial down some of the anxiety, the grief, the worry that we are experiencing as we try to navigate the journey. It's so beautiful that you've done this, Michelle. Thank you so much. Now, unfortunately, we do have to wrap up our time together, but I'm thrilled that we got to touch on this and I hope that people do jump on board. Michelle, thank you so much for sharing your experience with us on the show today. Thanks so much, Blake, for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, wherever you are and whatever you're doing right now, thank you for also staying tuned to Radical Radio and for supporting Brainwaves. Remember, of course, that your mental health is of equal importance to your physical health. So if you've not done so today already, let's bring them together now for a moment of beautiful alignment, starting with a lovely deep inhale, a lovely, nice exhale, and please shower yourself with the kindness that you so easily give to others. I look forward to joining you next time on Brainwaves. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.